We're gonna drink, drink and drink. Let's, drink. Let's play <laughs> some sing, tunes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Play tunes and sing and have a good time. And they said Protestant whiskey. <laughs> and it's like if you were in Ireland, they'd slap you because if you wanted to mean the whiskey, there's just something wrong with your soul. I let the grasses grow and the waters flow in a free and easy way. I'll give me enough of that rare old stuff that's made near Dolly Bay. That's James Odin, and today we talk Irish crack. The worst case, I go for Jameson. <laughs> worst so, case, Jameson. Jameson <laughs> is the beginning of good Irish whiskey, so... guys welcome to make it a double this is the podcast that talks booze spirits history mixology and the people and stories that make it great i'm mike stojic and today we discuss irish crack you heard right i said crack but believe me when i tell you that this crack is good crack we have annie nice native of ireland and one of the managers at tiernanogue raleigh north carolina's original irish pub I also sit down with Jerry Ryan, a regular of the traditional Irish music sessions held every Sunday at the pub. And James Olin Odin joins us, who I'm extremely excited to have on the show. He's a dynamic singer-songwriter from Raleigh who plays a vast collection of Scottish, Irish, English, and original songs inspired by the Celtic and American traditions. In fact, all of the Irish music you'll hear on the show today is either recorded live during our interview together or in his studio. We're going to talk Irish whiskey, Guinness, the pub, hospitality. The crack is sure to be mighty, so grab yourself a pint of Guinness, your favorite whiskey. Please sit back and enjoy the show. My name is Annie Nice. My name is Annie Nice. That's in Gaelic. Um, I am the events uh, person here for Tiernanogue Irish Pub in Raleigh. I've been with the pub 10 years, um, exactly 10 years on the 26th of September. We're actually hosting our second annual Molly Malone Oyster Festival on that date. So it's kind of nice that it falls in on my, my 10th year anniversary. So you speak Gaelic? Can you still uh, just, speak Gaelic? Uh, just a little bit. Um, my in, my name in in English is Annie Nice, and in uh, Gaelic it is Anya Nidas. It's uh-huh. Anam Dom. My name is Annie Nice, so it's kind of back to front. I would think one of the American favorites is uh, Pogue Mahone, which means kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> We actually, I was about we to actually, ask, yeah, we actually put that up on a poster one time in a pub in Michigan, and we had this big poster for beer and a band on, and uh, we wrote alongside it, um, you know, the, the the picture of the beer instead of putting the price. We just wrote Pug Mahone, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, is that the name of the band?" And nobody, a lot of people, <laughs> just had no clue what it was, which which we find very amusing. The pipe band here in Raleigh, uh, Wigan District Pipes and Drums, they some of the boys actually have it on the back of their shirts. Really? Yeah. So they oh, wear them when <laughs> only when they go to the pub. They won't wear them in a march on the streets or anything, but they will wear them if they're in the pub, you know. I think Good. that's probably the most popular one. I, I can't think of anything else that, now, that is, would uh, be legal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, what about crack? Crack is, that means, uh, Colagos crack means good times. Right. Uh, and so I used to host a radio show in, in Grand Rapids in Michigan, and uh, I would always just say, oh, the crack was mighty. We were such and such a place last night. The crack was flying. And, and a lot of people had no clue what that was. And so a lot of people were like, is she doing crack? Is she a crackhead? So, but now we have T-shirts here that I've designed that actually says on them, crack dealers. Here in the original crack dealers. <laughs> 
I love yeah. it. Correct. And, and I wanted actually to put it up when we recently done the front of the pub, and I really wanted because we used to have signs up there like tea, coffee, cigarettes, you know. And so many people come in asking, did we sell tea, coffee, and cigarettes? Which we do, but we're not like that. They were old shop signs that was up there. So when we took them down and we done the front of the pub, I actually wanted to put up there like, do you know, Raleigh's number one crack dealer. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> kind of chancy on the kind of the fact that we're right beside the bus stop, you know. So we decided against it. Yeah, but it, the way it's spelled, though, it's you. You almost it's have spelled to differently. C-R-A-I-C. Yeah, yeah, crack. That little word has become like really important to me. That's singer-songwriter James Odin. Because of what I've realized, and I made an album called "The Crack Is Free," and I, I've realized that you know the most important thing in this world is the thing we share between each other, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, what, sometimes I, I define it as good times, but it's, it's this thing we share between each other that makes it the good times, you know? I mean, and that, to me, that is actually priceless, um, you know, yet it's free. It's amazing now how many people will say, oh, the, was the crack good, you know, because a lot of people have caught on. So crack, spelled C-R-A-I-C, is good times. But like James mentioned, it's deeper than simply the good times. It's the thing that we share between each other that really makes it the good times. In my own personal travels to Ireland and in creating this podcast, I found that the concept of crack is culturally significant and it plays a huge role in the incredible hospitality of the Irish. While I sat and enjoyed traditional Irish music being played at Tirnanog, I had an opportunity to chat with Jerry Ryan. He's a proud Irish-American who plays Tin Whistle in a traditional Irish band. We talk a little about his experiences with Irish crack. One time in uh, Adra, Ireland, uh, we went in. It was like three or four people in the pub. Just sat down and asked for Guinness. And before we finished that Guinness... Here come, here come the musicians in, one at a time, sat down, ordered a pint, started warming up their instruments, and before, it didn't, it, this was like 10 o'clock at night when it started, and uh, it just went on and on and on, uh, and it was, it was a good time. They, they, they sort of let each of the musicians start a song by the, you know by themselves, and uh, uh, some people uh, stood up and sang a cappello. It was it was just great. I was sitting in a pub in uh, Dublin one time, and they they sort of had a back room and a front a front area, and I, there was probably me and two other people in the front area, and you could tell there was a lot of people in the back room. And uh, this woman looked through, there was kind of an open area, and she looked through, and she saw me out there, and she, she waved me around. So I, I went in and joined, joined a whole group of people that were having a, a birthday celebration, you know, just having a great time, having pints, and uh, it, that evening carried on for a long time. <laughs> it, and I spent a week in Dublin. I had a rip-roaring time. I think I that's so great. It was during <laughs> it, so it was great. during the All Ireland Finals. Uh, the town was full of people. You just you met people everywhere. You met people everywhere, and it the evening would go until two or three in the morning. I had my first taste of poaching. I can't I can't name the bar right now, but I was the bar closed. We stayed there. Late into the evening, after the bar closed, they cleaned up. We, the fellow I was standing sitting with, he says, "Want one more, Jerry?" And I said, "Sure, I'll have another one." And, and uh, so the next thing you know, it's three in the morning, and, <laughs> and the bartenders have joined us. And uh, before I left there at five in the morning, I had a bottle of pochine in my pocket. So he left with a bottle of pochine in his back pocket. Sounds like the crack was mighty fine that night. The only problem is, is I'm not entirely sure what pochine is. Hey, James, what is pochine? Pochine, which is the Gaelic word for moonshine, um, 
like uh, it's P O T E N T E E N, but it's pronounced like like P U H, and then Cheen, C H E E N, like that Pachin or Pachin. I don't understand. I'll never. Yeah. That's a language I don't think I'll ever understand. <laughs> moonshine, moonshine. You can moonshine, understand. I do know. But yeah, so this this song at some point talks about how how um, moonshine brings all of us together, and it goes like this. I love it. And uh, it's an Irish song, but I sing it with a southern accent, and I don't know when I started doing that, but that's what I do. Let the grass is growing, the water's flowing, free and easy way. Give me enough of that rare old stuff that's made near Galway Bay. Policemen all from Donegal. If I go leech him too, I will give them the slip and we'll take a sip of that rare old Mountain Dew. That's a traditional Irish song. It is a traditional Irish I've song. I've heard it. And there's a, there's but not a way, quite like that. Yeah, so it's also come over to the United States, and you'll hear it in a very bluegrassy sort of way. But that really wasn't that way either. That was no, that was this, that was that was new and exciting. That was that was fun. <laughs> I, I really, <laughs> it was awesome. There's a neat little stair at the foot of the hill where the smoke curls up to the sky. And by a whiff of spell, you can plainly tell, ho, oh, this punching boy's nearby. Ho, oh, it fills the air with a perfume rare betwixt both me and you. As home we stroll, we can take a bowl or a bucket full of Mountain Dew. Ho, oh, let the grasses grow. I'd heard it um, in Ireland. Because you, you'd say rare old Mountain Dew, I was like, that rare know, I know this song. Because they'll have like the vocal part where they go, just sort of repeat that. And, yeah, the Clancy Brothers, you know, made that famous in the states, and, but like other people do it, and it's it's just a really fun song. Those are some of my favorite Irish songs, are the ones about moonshine and stuff. And, yeah, uh, I didn't know. I guess it makes sense. Mountain Dew, I would do moonshine, wouldn't it? I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, learned men has used the pen and writ thy praises high. Of the sweet pachine from Ireland green, distilled with weed and rye. Ho, away with your pills, it'll cure all ills. Be a pagan, Christian, or Jew. So, take off your coat, grease your throat with a bucket full of Mountain Dew. Ho, let the grasses grow, the waters flow, free and easy way. Yeah. Have you been to Ireland? Have you been to the, any of those distilleries? I have. I've been to the Jameson Distillery. Ah, me too. I totally enjoyed that experience. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I've been. I went to Northern Ireland, and I went to the Bushmills Distillery, which okay. I really loved. And it's kind of funny because of it is technically Protestant whiskey. This is what some people <laughs> will say because it is owned by a Protestant family, but they hire both Irish, uh, Catholic, and and Protestants there, and. Um, but the thing, the reason I bring it up is because one time, and I believe this is only in America, I told somebody, you know, oh, I really love Black Bush, and and they said Protestant whiskey, <laughs> and I was like, if you were in Ireland, they'd slap you because if you wanted to mean the whiskey, there's just something wrong with your soul. I can't say that's ever happened to me. I think good, good. <laughs> yeah, not, not over whiskey. I did. I I will tell you this though. Um, but this was with the British. Um, I, like I was telling you earlier, I was in the Marine Corps where we had some of our brother uh, British Royal Soldiers right. Army, Royal Army, come over and do some cross-training. Well, I took some of their guys out to a bar, and one of my f- all-time favorite drinks is an Irish car bomb because I love get. <laughs> You probably see what go this on, is going. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never order that in Dublin. But anyway. I <laughs> know. Oh, well, yeah, or in don't, England. Don't. Or in England. Well, yeah, I, I, I learned that the hard way. But I'll tell <laughs> right, you, okay. Yeah. But, uh, but, <laughs> but when I did my Irish, when I went to, oh, okay, let me tell you the whole story. So these guys come over, there's probably like six or seven of them. And me and my buddies, we take them out and we're like, what are we going to drink? I'm like, I'm like, I love Irish car bombs. I just, they're just really tasty. So I, I, I offered those up and it was, they were ready to fight. It was like, what did you say? And it didn't occur to me 
And then I was like, oh, the IRA, the car bombs and all that sort of stuff. I get it. It would be like somebody ordering an IED or something. (laughs) Right. Yes. Exactly. Or something. You know, if there was a drink called the IED. I'm going to pull that on one of my soldier friends, but only one that's really close because I don't want to lose. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I have to be. But so they got, it was, they didn't really get offended because we were all friends, but it was like, what did you say? And kind of messing with me. I was like, oh, I forgot. Well, well they what? knew you were a stupid American. That's what they were thinking. You know, not yeah, that you, you know are, but I mean, we, we got just, we got weird, <laughs> man, weird names for stuff. And right, I'm like, right. I'm like, no, it's because the Guinness, and then you drop. The, this is the little bomb. And like, we understand what it is. I can't believe you'd order that. And I was like, ah, it's it's really good. Have you had it? We can call it something else. I <laughs> At least you didn't follow up. Let's have a black and tan. <laughs> The drink the Irish car bomb was invented in 1973 by Patrick O'Reilly, owner of the Old Sailor in Northern Ireland. The Irish refers to the ingredients Guinness, Baileys, and Jameson, and the car bomb refers to the fact that the drink is a bomb shot. But it also refers to the many car bombings that took place during the Troubles in Ireland. Also known as the Northern Ireland Conflict, which began in the late 1960s and ended with the Good Friday Agreement of 1998. At times, the conflict would spill over into the Republic of Ireland, England, and mainland Europe. For this reason, the name can be deemed offensive. Annie grew up in Northern Ireland, and I was very interested to hear her thoughts. If you're sitting at the bar with a redhead and you order a flaming Irish bastard, is she going to be offended? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, the names of drinks are, uh, you know, silly. But the car bomb, I had never heard of that either until I came here because, you know, I grew up in Northern Ireland. We were used to car bombs, the real deal, you know. Um, But I certainly wouldn't take an offense at it, you know. It's a story written by, he's actually an American um, journalist, but he went to Ireland and he spent some time like, and this was not too long after. This was before the peace talks. Mm-hmm. So he spent some time talking to some members of the Republican movement, um, a lot of people from my village, and um, then members of the British Armed Forces. And he, he combined that them, both them stories in the book called uh, South Ramah Bandit Country. I would highly recommend that you read it, that anybody that's interested in the in politics in Northern Ireland uh, read it and uh, quite often I will buy copies of it and keep them here I don't have any at the minute but if I'm talking to anybody from Fort Bragg that's going to Afghanistan or somewhere Mm. I will give them a copy because I will tell them this will save your life this book will save your life especially if you're in the military because it's a story from both ends of the spectrum names of drinks are one thing and perhaps written off as foolish But as James shared more of his experiences as a musician traveling Ireland, I learned that certain songs still hold powerful sentiment within people. Then you could follow up by going to Dublin and requesting that somebody play the old orange flute, and then, which is it's oh, it's a Protestant song, and um, but but it's one that I was requested to play one time, and I I don't actually know it, but but it's like one of those things where you know it's like "Ah, yeah, no, no, thank you, you don't. You know, there's just there's just certain traditions that you don't you know wow really cross like that yeah that's amazing I didn't know that it was still it was still quite like that it, it's it's a little bit and especially as in Northern Ireland and I've yeah. been there a couple times and um it's it's the only place I've ever been where I felt uncomfortable playing Irish music in the streets like I was just sitting outside my hotel playing a whistle and it's just. And I wasn't trying to, you know, cause any problems or anything, but it's like, you know, it just, just sort of felt bad. I don't know. I mean, like I enjoyed the tune, but I felt like there was like, like maybe I was pushing somebody's buttons and really? that I didn't necessarily mean to. Yeah. And I was in, I was in one pub in, um, was Kelly's Cellars and they are a traditional Irish pub in Northern Ireland in, in Belfast. And, uh, I have a friend uh, I won't mention his name, but uh, though I love him very greatly, um, he wouldn't be embarrassed by this. So I'll just mention his name. Yeah, it was <laughs> Mitch Ferguson. Anyway, <clears throat> over in the states, he's he's always singing the rebel songs and stuff like that, and and um, and of course over there he'll he'll sing them and stuff. But in this particular case, he was in a place that wasn't you know they they were a traditional Irish pub. They weren't a Republican pub. And and I'm just like I have no clue really. I'm just playing along, enjoying the music and stuff. And and then all of a sudden the the bartender comes in and he says, "Absolutely not. 
we are an Irish pub. We are not a Republican pub. You know, not here. Stop that. Wow. And it was, and, but it made me realize, though, that, that, that there are places in the world that the song you sing can incite violence. And I've never quite digested that well yet. I'm still working on that, still trying to understand that. But that's like a real thing, you know? I mean, wow. it's really important that, that people, that the cultures, both cultures were able to, you know, sing their tunes as well as play them on instruments because there was times in both cultures' history where the instruments of Irish and Scottish music both were outlawed and to play them, uh, the penalty was death, right? And so, yeah, and so the way that they pass the tunes down is that they actually sung them to one another. And even today with bagpipes, uh, we teach one another to play the, the tunes by singing the tunes to one another. And then it, once the student knows how to sing it back, then it's easy enough to figure out how to play it on the instrument. Eh, give or take. Wow. <laughs> You're kidding. No. So like if you, when in Ireland, in, in um, I can't remember which museum it was. It was like the Museum of Natural History, I think. There's actually a harp that they pulled out of the bog. And the reason that the harp was put into the bog was because of they didn't want to destroy the harp. They didn't want the English to have the harp, and so they they threw it in the bog. That's a true story. That's not a that's no. Not I'm not making that up. No, like an old wives' tale. Or no, something. no. That's, really? That's, yeah. It was. There was. Um, it's. It's. And, and that's another thing. You know, in this country, it's been a long time since we've had a thought of like, you know, there's something cultural I might do that might get me killed. I love the bagpipes. Once again, Annie Nice in my blood and I don't know why because I'm actually an Irish Catholic I'm very much affiliated with in Ireland the bagpipes was all mm-hmm. of us affiliated with the other side with the, with the Protestant side of the, the fence the Scots Ulster Scots um, but I've just got a pure passion for them and uh, then I've seen pictures of um, a great aunt of mine and she played the, the drum in a bagpipe band um but it was the it was the Hibernian bagpipe band, which was actually a Catholic bagpipe band. So it's sometimes it's all nonsense about the Catholics and the Protestants and what they did and what they didn't do. And you affiliate this with them and you affiliate that with us, you know. And it's kind of crazy. But at the end of the day, it's all about the culture. And I think mainly too was the fact that the Irish, especially the Catholic Irish, were. Um, held back from being allowed to or encouraged to, to you know do anything with the Gaelic arts like with sports and the the national tongue and every, all of that stuff by the English you know during the time of Oliver Cromwell so at this point you might be thinking why are we not talking Irish drinking traditions and whiskeys and you know other fun Irish things this seems far too serious a subject but it's all part of the people and stories, which is at the heart of what we drink and why we drink and drinking traditions and the like, which is really what I set out to explore with this podcast. Make It a Double is about booze, spirits, history, mixology, and the people and stories that make it great. I really think it's important. So having a little better understanding, I was curious how the music part of the Irish culture was passed down. I asked James to give an example. So First, he'll play the Leacham's Fancy with the tin whistle, and then we're going to hear it with Bones and singing, and then, I promise, we're getting right back to pub life and drinking traditions and all that kind of fun stuff. Here's an example of an Irish jig. Um, a jig is just in 6-8, you know, so you're counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. But anyway, it will, it will sound like this. It's called the Leacham Fancy. the same tune the leecher and fancy it's a it's a jig and six eight 
So I might start off with Um, By the way, the thing that I was doing when I was singing, like in America, they might call that scatting, but that's actually an Irish music thing, and they call it mouth music, and sometimes they call it diddling. In Scotland, they have another name for it, which escapes me right now. I think it's like maybe portabelle, um, which, which is basically jig of the mouth. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss the best way to enjoy whiskey which is with good company. We're going to tell the tale of Molly Malone, and we'll talk, is Guinness good for you? Among a bunch of other things. So stick around. We'll be right back. Guys, let me tell you about my friend, Malia Christie. She creates some incredible works of art. She's very talented. Just like the great street artist Banksy said, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable, and that is what Malia sets out to do with Shaded and Faded. Shaded and Faded is unique, it's original, it all comes from the creative mind of Malia Christie. She specializes in figure, abstract, mixed media canvas painting, and custom furniture creations. Check her out on Facebook, search Shaded and Faded. While you're checking out Shaded and Faded, why not listen to Wait What If? Wait What If is a podcast hosted by another friend of mine, Kevin Sullivan. If you're interested in far out there things that make you stop and think, huh, wait, what if? Then check out Kevin's podcast, Wait What If, on iTunes and Stitcher or stream it from podbean.com. He explores things like what happens to the soul if you're teleported, observational reality, the Fermi paradox, and are ghosts real just to name a few. Check them out on Facebook. It's Wait What If. Also, if you're near Clayton, North Carolina, and for those of you who need a reference, Clayton is just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, but if you're anywhere near Clayton on the 10th of October and you like beer, and you like barbecue, and you like live music, then check out the Clayton Shindig on October 10th. It's currently in its fourth year. It gets bigger and better every time. Some of the breweries on site will be Double Barley, Deep River, and Aviator, just to name a few. There will be 10 bands on two stages with performances by the Steel Drivers and Black Lilies, just to name a couple. And the Whole Hog Barbecue Series will be here smoking up the best barbecue you ever had. Check out their website for a full lineup and ticket information at www.theshindigclayton.com. That's theshindigclayton.com. Now let's get back to the show. Molly Malone, is that the name of the song? I like that one. That was, That's a slower, sadder a, song. Yeah, it's it sad. sort of. So it's funny, you know, because it's like, it's sort of slow, but it's really like, in Dublin's fair city where the girls are so pretty, it's there that I first met me, Molly Malone. She wheels a wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and muscles alive, alive, oh. But it's, it's got a steady sort of clip to it and everything. Nice. And, and that was like, um, I think that was like a national song of Ireland for a while or something. Is that right? Yeah, but it's it's basically it's about a poor poor girl poor girl who was selling, um, you know, shellfish essentially in the streets of Dublin, but she got sick and and died and died. And you know, healthcare back in the time when this song was written was all but non-existent. You know, I mean, so it's a fun. It's actually a fun song to sing because then it goes. It is. I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm terrible. Well, you can join me. You'd be like, alive, alive, oh, alive, alive, oh, singing cockles and muscles, alive, alive, oh, take a sip of your whiskey. Uh Uh-oh, I drank all my whiskey. Oh, you need more. I do. I don't want to drink all yours, though. Oh, you can, it's meant to share. Okay, well, that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know. Thank you. you. Whiskey not shared is just. Just it's bad almost, whiskey. No, it's almost wasted if it's not yeah. shared. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree. with I was it. telling that to a friend of mine. Um, I told him because he, I'd invite him over all the time, and we just drink different types of whiskey. I really love whiskey. I don't know a lot about it, but I love it. Oh yeah. And then, 
he felt bad. He's like, man, all I do is drink your whiskey. And I'm like, that's what it's designed for. It's designed to share. Like, if you're not sharing your whiskey with friends, then what? There's no crack. There's no crack if in, <laughs> if you're not sharing whiskey. That's true. <laughs> no crack in, in independent, wait, alone uh, whiskey. Alone whiskey. Sad yeah. alone whiskey. I suppose not, you could no be crack. cracking yourself up, but, you know, it's like. You could, but then you but might. But it's, it's much better when there's two or more. So it's Absolutely. Like <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And this is not the alcohol, folks. <laughs> no, or maybe it is. Who can tell you know, at this point? <laughs> we have no independent observers. So here's a question, because for me, Irish pubs and Irish music, I mean, they, they're hand in hand, and it's they're almost inseparable. I was thinking, you know, what came first? It's almost like a chicken and the egg. So what comes first, the Irish pub or the Irish good Irish tunes? Oh, I mean, I would think the tunes, because they used to... Um, it was a big thing that everybody would meet over at one another's homes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have what they call a Kaylee, which is a Gaelic word for party, basically. You know, it's a gathering where people will dance. And, and it, yeah, and that's important, too, because it's, it's more than just the drinking. It's more than just the music. It's also um, the dancing. Um, it, because, it, you know, most of the music that's not sung is dance music. And, and as a matter of fact, in most Irish pubs, you'll hear much more of the dance music and then occasionally a song and stuff and then they'll play a bunch more dance tunes and then they'll play a song and what's your favorite whiskey is it is it irish whiskeys american whiskeys is it bourbon whiskeys is it scotch whiskeys is it japanese whiskeys i don't know if you've had any Japanese. yes i have and they're delicious yeah they supposedly Um, they're some of the best in the world now yes or at least a a particular brand let me take a diversion for a second because i think it'd be interesting um i have a friend (laughs) that um he collects um japanese bayonets from world war too, but he's also studied their culture quite a bit. And um, as I was in, as I was talking to him, I began, you know, he started talking about things that they do that are American, you know, and how they do them much better. And then, and then I, I, you know, also I happen to know that a lot of their music, and because I've listened to Japanese music, and and a lot of their music actually comes from mainland China. But it, it has its Japanese way of being done and everything, and and then and then you'll find that they'll you know they'll take things from other cultures, and again and again you'll see like the scotch they make, Santori scotch. It's delicious. This is not an advertisement, but <laughs> oh my, it's so delicious. Um, you know they they study a thing and they 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 take time with it and they they get to know it. It's almost like they they marry this other culture to theirs. And and then they they produce something better than the host culture than the original culture. I mean, it's like I don't know how the Japanese do this, and someone's going to say that I'm, I'm I'm being racist somehow or something like that. But what? I have nothing oh. but compliments for yeah. that they could do that, and it, it really does seem to be a cultural thing that that the Japanese pull off and everything. So I do like their whiskey um, quite a bit. But the thing I'd have to say is that it's it's. For me, with whiskey, it, I don't think I can I can be you know monogamous. I mean, it's like it's <laughs> me neither. There's, so we're, I mean, we're both on the same. I mean, the, the, the Irish whiskeys are so delightful, and and the Scotch whiskeys they're robust, and 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 the and the Japanese whiskeys well they make you think, and and so I like them all. That's a great answer. I do too. <laughs> Can't be monogamous with the whiskeys. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, yeah. I can add with the whiskeys. With the, yes. Oh my gosh. That would get us both in probably a world of hurt. <laughs> well, what about beer? I know we earlier we started with a IPA from North Carolina from yeah, Foothills Hoppy, um, Brew, Brewing Company. And I know this is a North Carolina brew. Um, are you an IPA drinker or do you prefer? Yeah, I, I like IPAs. I, again, I like a lot of different styles. IPAs is one of my favorites. I like I like stouts too. Um, the other thing is, as I've gotten older, I've become, I've, I've, I've began to really appreciate what I call beer water. And some people would, would hate me for this, but I think Guinness is among that type of beer called beer water because, because I can drink it. And I can drink like eighteen Guinnesses. And, oh God! Okay, and still keep going. You know, I mean, it's like, and, and PBR is the same way. You know, it's like, it, and and also on a hot day, you know, what I could drink a Guinness or I could drink PBR or or whatever someone hands me that's really light and stuff like that. Whereas, like, you know, and, and they're not high in alcohol, that sort of thing. So I've I've, I've come to appreciate those. But then I I like the Belgian beers. I like the you know, all, all, all kinds of different styles. What I don't like is when a beer has a medicinal flavor. 
which a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of higher alcohol beers will have that, but not all of them because there's a brewery in Apex. I don't know their name, but they just did a Scotch ale that's just like crazy good. It's nine percent alcohol and it doesn't taste like it. And buddy, you better be careful. That's all I can say. But I was the where I got it. I was over at Second Wind playing a gig with Ruffin McCoy. Um, and, um, they, they had in Carborough and, and they had this beer and, oh, it was just so good. And we were drinking about one an hour. We were very good. I drank three of them. <laughs> that was enough. But I like that. So you're no longer, so you're not, so you're not monogamous with, uh, with your beers either. What no, you no, well, no, that's no. good. Me too. Me the more the merrier. Well, me too. <laughs> so Annie, working in a pub and being from Ireland, may I ask, what is your drink of choice? I don't drink at all. Oh no! Oh, but okay. yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> Guinness is my father was a Guinness drinker. Okay, and and I believe nearly everybody in our family down the line were all Guinness drinkers. Um, Guinness is when they say Guinness is good for you. Guinness is actually good for you. And um, my father, God rest him, died of cancer. And when he was in the hospital, the nurses in the hospital would bring, they had a wee bottle opener in their pockets, and they would come around and open up a bottle of Guinness at the bedside of like my father and, and men that were in the ward, and they got a bottle of Guinness at night. Oh, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. That's the best so. medicine. That's that got to be the best medicine ever. And I always tell any women that I know that have just had a baby uh-huh. that are planning on breastfeeding to drink a glass of Guinness because the hops in the Guinness will bring in the milk like within an hour. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. My father used to drink it with a couple of eggs in it. Whoa! Mm. Raw eggs and raw, just crack them open, eggs. spin them around in the Guinness. Spin it in and drink it down. Guinness yeah. and raw eggs. I, Guinness I've and never eggs, heard of that. Yeah, Is there a name for that? Or no, it's just daddy's thing every morning. But then with Guinness, I do know it because um, I've had it in other places where the bartenders will just pour it, and it, I really, I really think it does something to the f- the flavor of the beer. If you just you know, if you just let it, it sit, let it sit. I mean, that's uh-huh. the first thing I'll say when I give somebody one is let let it settle. Don't don't pick it up there until it's settled. Right. It's worth the wait. I, th- I oh I agree. Yeah. 100%. Otherwise, maybe McDonald's will start selling Guinness. <laughs> quick one, man. Give it quick Guinness. Drive through Guinness. Actually, uh, you know, it's well noted that we actually pull the best pint in. You know, our our Guinness tastes best better than anywhere else in town. I think it's because of the lines. We regularly, you know, we keep our lines very, very clean, and that's very important. Um, you, you know, that Guinness, the Guinness family also have two other beers, which is the Smithix, which is the Redhead. Yep. Have you ever tried that one? They're, I've had Smithix. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good beer. And then the Blonde, of course, is Harp. And Harp was always like, I don't remember any other kind of drinks when I was growing up in the bars except Smithix, Harp and Guinness, to be huh. honest about it. Because you know, in our in our village that's pretty much what it was. They're drinking men's pubs and um, and they were all like uh, old taps and barrels and, and that's and that was your drink. Cause you didn't you never thought of ordering anybody anything else. And then the chaser was a whiskey. It was always a whiskey with the chaser. You know? <laughs> I was an Irish whiskey. My father was a Paris drinker. Yeah. You know? I, never, I never even seen Jameson's, I don't think, till I came here. Huh. You know? I thought that was like the major brand in Ireland. What would what, 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 what an Irish drinker drink? I know you don't drink, but for, for whiskey, because I mean, that's... Well, my we father was a Powers, a Powers drinker. I mean... Powers? Powers, Powers, okay. Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. The other Irish whiskey that I've been drinking is uh, Redbreast. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a really tasty one. That's part one. of the Jameson family. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Redbreast and and then the, uh, yeah, there's some really good, I mean, because when I would go home, I usually bring back one or two bottles mm-hmm. of really good Irish whiskey, but Middleton's is the big one. That's that's your top shelf whiskey right there, the Middleton's. Middleton's. Yeah, and then Redbreast would also come in like a close second to that. And Jameson Gold. Jameson Gold's a very good one as well. I have done the tour of Bushmills uh, in Ireland. That was a really good tour. Um, that was a that was a great tour actually, because I got sent up there to do a, like a private tour. Kind of felt wasted on me, you know, because when you get to the 1916 room and you're not drinking, you know, it's like you don't drink. Um, but uh, I think um, our I think our best in that line of Jameson's Irish whiskey is actually the Middletons. 
Now, clearly, you don't have to drink in order to have a good time and enjoy yourself. The same is true in being a part of the pub culture and life. It does not require you to drink. A good pub doesn't depend on booze to keep things interesting. The first thing I would do when I came to America is no matter where, uh, what city I ever went to visit, I would look up um, for an Irish pub and an Indian because I love Indian food. But an Irish pub was my first place of call because you'd know you were going to get good food mm-hmm. as a rule and the crack would be flying, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> as a rule, that's the way that's it should be, you know? Yeah. Um, so a bit of music, a bit of banter and, and good food. That's what a real Irish pub is all about. We're more than a pub. We're a, a cultural center. Uh-huh. You know, we have so much going on. We do an awful lot of outreach to to um, to help with local public events as well. So a lot of people host or come to us and ask, and they host. Um, sometimes we have like on the first Sunday of the month we have uh, beer and hymns. Have you heard about that? No. No, that's like what? that's a local <laughs> church, and they come in and they set up. Uh, there's a wee band gets up on the stage, and they lead uh, hymns and while drinking beer and eating dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's packed. It's packed. They love it. And I actually was concerned about how this was gonna uh-huh. affect the pub and how the staff were gonna run with it. And the staff love it. They're begging to work it. Really. You know? Yeah, they're begging to work it. They love it. That's amazing. So yeah. you, your whole church. Yep, whole the church, and too. that's the first Sunday. And then we have winter keelies, and our kilt night is the most amazing night. So you have to. This is a personal invite from me to you. Guys. <laughs> the fifteenth of October, Albanac is here from Scotland. Well, the other thing is that we host once a year in conjunction with the Run Club because the Run Club's here every Monday mm-hmm. night, and um, so the No Run Club. If you want to check them out. And then once a year, they do the Green Run, which is also, it's a big Green Run. It's the week before St. Patrick's Day Parade. So it's the first Saturday of every March. And this will be the third year now of um, the Kilted Kilted Run. So we have like 18, anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 people in kilts running. How far is the run? It's only around the park. It's only around Moore Square. It's like, it's a very short run. It's for miles? Yeah, (laughs) no. There is an 8K the same day, and the 8K okay. kicks off as soon as the Kilted Run is over. But it's for the Guinness Book of World Records. We have big bands here. Albanac was here last year. Please God, they'll be back again next year for us. Um, when is it's, this? It's the first Saturday of March. So you can look it up. Just look up uh, Kilted Run. Hey, James. Annie just mentioned Albanac being an Irish band playing down at Tiernan Nog. Uh, got me thinking about one of my favorite songs that you do. It couldn't have been the whiskey. I'm really hoping there's a story behind that it's like a bunch of stories actually it's a little That's perfect because i'm using it that that one phrase it couldn't have been the whiskey isn't it's forever stored in my pocket and then when i'm in trouble and my wife gets mad at me i want to tell her because i've been drinking i'm gonna tell her it couldn't have been the whiskey, I'm, been the whiskey. Yeah, I'm, gonna start right. singing, <laughs> I'm gonna start singing that song throughout the song you know it start it talks about different things happening and the the first one is you know it says well alan was a buy-in drinks for everyone you know, and well, out that's Alan Baker, and he's a local plumber. He was actually in the News and Observer. There's a whole article on him. He's also a plumber who happens to be a pipe player. Wow. And there's a pun, a living pun. But anyway, <laughs> um, and and he plays whistles and concertina and stuff like that. And that man, if you go down to Tiernan Oaks um, session, which is three o'clock every Sunday, and the players and stuff, at some point he's going to get up and he's going to say, "You want a whiskey? You want a whiskey? You want a whiskey?" And he'll buy like ten or twelve whiskeys for different people, some of which he doesn't know. Well, Alan was a buying whole drinks for everyone. The music was a flying so fast I couldn't keep up. So I began a singing all be me It could have been you know, it must be something else. And then I had the next verse where it talked about you know Teddy was a joking. As he often did, laughing and cavorting or whatever. And, and um, the funny, he would never cavort because cavort means to flirt with ladies and stuff. But but so I stretched the truth in various places because I was having fun. But but Ted has like the wickedest dry sense of humor and um, like he is a plumber. Weirdly enough, another plumber. He plays squeeze box. Well, Teddy was joking, was off his style, a laughing and cavorting. I pour an arm along. The ladies were dancing. Was such a sight. It could have been and then there's a verse about you know, the room of whirling and stuff. And I know I've been down at Tiernanoke many a times, having drank far too much, and you know the, it starts whirling. And finally, the one part that's absolutely untrue is the one about Catherine, my wife, screaming in the morning time 
there's the day, my darling, you'll get no rest this time. Well, she's never done that. Like, really, she has never done that. She's because of, because of, I, you know, she drinks as much as I do. Well, I'll truly own her up rather late. The room it was a whirling. Had to check my state. All me, me shall go. It's a drink a but so inter- interwoven in the song, you may not have noticed this, but there's there's um, there's actually a Gaelic song called Beamish Agol, because as each verse goes on, I'll sing a portion of the Beamish Agol song, which which means we be drinking. It's an old Gaelic drinking song and stuff. Um, and so so that's sort of in there. And then when Catherine says, there's the day, me darling, well, there's the day is an old Irish drinking song also about staying up all night until the sun and you don't want to admit that the day is over which, which is the last song when the crack is free so well Catherine was a screaming in the morning time no there's a day my darling you'll get no rest this time the whiskey she was cursing oh no it's not to blame it could have been the whiskey now it must be something else oh it could have been the whiskey my gosh that was way more story behind the story <laughs> Behind the story, there's symbolism in every line of this. I know that's that's how my brain works and stuff. I think, and I'm drunk. No, no. Left me in the state, a bottle of the finest, the best for goodness sake. The company was a kindness. Joel August crack. I could have been you now. It must be something else. But what? I love it. Well, when I have a when I have a hangover on my personal Facebook page, I'll often put that song out there. I know it's kind of self promotion, but it's mostly telling people I have a hangover right now. I love it. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, this, so like the whole concept of the song really just sort of stems from that sort of tongue in cheek humor that you'll find amongst the Irish and really kind of amongst drinkers in general and stuff. You know, it's like, oh no, it couldn't have been the whiskey. You know, I mean, it's like it was too good. It was wonderful. It was delightful. You know, I mean, and so so there was that concept. Like Annie mentioned, the pub is more than simply a place to drink. It brings people together. Then, but in general, what people want to do is they want to they want to have uh, fun with one another. They want to relax. They want to raise their families and stuff. That you know, most of us would like to raise a few pints and right. in peace. At the end of the day, we all have to learn to live together and work together. That's right, and know? have a good time. Yeah, exactly. It's all about good times. guys that sounds last call but don't shut the podcast off yet i do have a little treat as we leave the show i'm going to be playing for you one of my favorite james odin original songs you heard some of it already as james played alive during our interview but just for you i've included the studio recorded version which will play as soon as i stop talking but first thanks so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed it uh, I want to give a special thank you to Annie Nice of Tiernanog, Raleigh's original Irish pub, for sharing her story and a pint of Guinness with me. The crack is always mighty at Tiernanog, so check them out online at www.tnnirishpub.com and search for them on Facebook. But better yet, visit Annie and Tiernanog in downtown Raleigh. Also, thanks to Jerry Ryan for telling his story and experiences with Irish crack. You can catch Jerry on Sundays during Tierna Nogue's traditional Irish music sessions. And a very special thank you to James Olin Odin. Thank you, sir, for your incredible hospitality, sharing your Bowmore 12-year scotch with me, and your music and experiences with us. You've got to check James out online. He's at www.jamesodin.com. He's also on Facebook, so search for him there. And if you have Pandora, James has his own Pandora channel. So go to your Pandora, search James Olin Odin. I'm going to spell it real quick for you. James, J-A-M-E-S, Olin, O-L-I-N, and then Odin, O-D-E-N. Also, don't forget, go to doublepodcast.com to check out show notes, view photos from my interviews, find more information on all of my guests and links to each of their websites. I'm also on Facebook. Check out Make It A Double Podcast on Facebook give it a like. It's the best way to get current info on shows and guests. And if you have any comments or shows ideas, 
please reach out. I'm always happy to hear from our listeners. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And now here's James Odin performing It Couldn't Have Been the Whiskey. I agree. You can't buy you can't buy crack. No, you can't buy crack. <laughs> Not that kind. <laughs> Not this kind. <laughs>